0: So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting Bluehost.com. That's Bluehost.com. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers and the greatest detective show on Earth. I wish I could find that Johnny Dollar Airlines for $10 fare. Enjoy some great Johnny Dollar episodes right here.
1: It's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny
0: Dollar. Lou Crager, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, Lou, what's up? They found the boat a few miles off the Atlantic side of St. Croix. Oh? She was empty. Neither one of them aboard? No. From what I understand, it looks like there was trouble, all right. How's that? Blood stains. I guess signs of a struggle. The engine had run until it was out of gas.
2: They're sure it's the boat, huh? Yeah, they must be.
0: Oh, they're sure. It's registered to Willard South.
2: Yeah, all right. Where can I see it?
0: Well, they won't have it in for another 30 minutes... Police dock is next to Royal Mail. You can't miss it. I'll meet you there if you want.
2: Good, Lou. I'll see you in about 20
3: minutes.
1: (laughs) Edmund O'Brien and the transcribed adventure of the man with the action packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Great Eastern Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Willard South matter. Expense account item one, $143.80, airfare and incidentals between Hartford and the city of Charlotte, Amelie, Island of St. Thomas, Virgin Island Group. I arrived there two days after the disappearance of your policyholders, Willard South and his wife, Georgina and one day after the report had been made by his foster mother. She was too upset to be questioned, but I did find a local guide and boat owner who claimed to know the boating habits of Willard South through a number of fishing trips. I made arrangements with him to start my own search the next morning, but it was this guide, Luke Crager, who phoned that second evening to tell me that South's cruiser had been found empty.
0: Dollar, over here. A hello. I didn't know if you'd spotted me or not. I hadn't.
2: You could do better on light down here.
0: Oh, that is part of the romance of the island.
2: Uh, this is the boat, huh?
0: Police officer still aboard. A native by the name of Shoy. I told him you were coming. Uh, we can go aboard now. In the cabin. Officer Shoy? Yes? Uh, Mr. Dollar is here. Oh, I... I'm inside, then.
2: Thanks for letting me aboard, officer.
0: Glad
4: to meet you, Mr. Dollar. I was sent to uh, your University of Iowa to
2: learn to be a policeman. A Good school.
4: I learned what they taught me, but I've had no chance to learn if what they taught me is right. It is our boast that there is no crime in the Virgin Islands. That has been right. But now this...
2: Well, it happens in the best of circles sooner or later. What do you make of it?
5: Let me show you with my light. Near the wheel. See?
2: Uh-huh. the bullet still in the wood? Yes.
4: I will take out the piece of the panel with a saw and uh, take the bullet from that.
2: Uh-huh. This bloodstain under the wheel. Are there more like it?
5: This is the large one. As if somebody fell there. As if somebody fell there. There are more here and more in the passageway than uh, on the deck.
2: There on the rail, as if somebody climbed over the side
5: or was was pushed over. There's uh, one other thing back here. This piece of line. Look. It's been cut. Mr. Crager says a small boat was usually tied to the stern.
0: You sure of that, Lou? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Will it always trailed a dinghy. You know, like a skiff, unless he was trolling. Then he hoisted it aboard. But where is it now?
2: You're searching for it, aren't you? Yes. So is the Coast Guard boat. I wish you luck. A little skiff will be a lot harder to find than a cruiser like this. Well, I'll be anxious to learn of any developments, Officer Shoy. I'm staying at the Grand. Nothing had developed by noon the next day. I spent the morning on routine legwork. And at 12.30... I was back at the Willard South address. It was an old building with enough elevation to give its windows a view of Charlotte Amelie's pleasant harbor.
3: I'd known Willard South's
2: foster mother lived there, but I hadn't known about the man who met met me at the door. I'm Willard's brother.
4: I was told you'd called yesterday. Mr. Dollar, come in.
2: Your mother was too upset to talk with me yesterday. You've gotten the news on what they found, I suppose. Yes, I went down to see the boat.
4: Has anything further been learned?
2: No, not yet. Uh, sit down, Mr. Dollar. It's cooler here on the veranda. Thank you. I wasn't here yesterday because I was searching for Willard's boat, too. I'm surprised to learn Willard has a brother. I've asked a lot of questions about him in the village. Nobody mentioned you.
0: Uh, well, I'm only here a few days a year. My, uh, my home is in
2: Tampa. I arrived the first of the week, Tuesday. Mm. Glad I met you before I had to see your mother. It's a lot easier to be blunt with a brother. Blunt, Mr. Dollar. About Willard's reputation on the island, I can't seem to find anybody who doesn't hate him. Mm, I'm afraid you won't either. Do you know anyone who hated him enough to shoot him? Well, I, uh, I hardly know how to answer that. I, I know a number of men have been hurt seriously by him. The ones that have lost wives. Yes. Do you think he's dead? I don't know. The only thing I'm sure of is that there was a shooting on his boat and somebody was hurt. I'm told your brother and his wife were seen leaving on it at dusk, night before last. Is that right? Uh, Yes, they'd packed an evening meal. Meal had never been eaten. Were little trips like this a regular habit of theirs? No, no, they weren't at all. It was a special occasion.
4: Georgina has never stopped hoping she could reform Willard and win him back.
2: This trip was one more of her efforts. Did they say where they were going no but i thought it would be calibra that's an island about 20 miles from here in a westerly direction mother said they started that way but the boat was found almost 40 miles in the other direction it's a matter of 60 miles yes 60 miles mr dollar what could have happened in those 60 miles i don't know yet but i hope to find out you knew about the skiff being cut loose yes they told me but... paul paul dear yes
4: mother
6: who's with you Is there any news?
2: Nothing yet. Mother, this
4: is Mr. Dollar from the insurance company.
6: How do you do, Mr. Dollar?
2: Mrs. South, I'm sorry I have to meet you at a time like this.
6: A great many crises in the past ten years have revolved around my son, Willard. I've conditioned myself to expect them. Even his death by violence, if that should be. Mother, please. But if harm has come to Georgina...
2: There's no evidence of that, Mrs. South.
6: Well, if it does, I shall hold myself
2: responsible. Mother.
6: Because I allowed her to become the wife of the beast I have called my son.
2: It was a rare situation. There was no actual evidence that Willard South had been murdered, but almost everyone I talked to seemed to think he had been, simply because there were so many motives. One of the people who didn't think so was a newcomer to the island, Celeste Robertson, there to take advantage of the six weeks' divorce law.
6: Who
7: told you about me?
2: A bartender up the street. He said you and South had been seen together recently.
7: Yes, I know him. As a matter of fact, I've spent quite a bit of time with him in the last couple of weeks.
2: Where do you think he is?
7: I... I don't know.
2: Do you think he's dead?
7: No. No, I don't.
2: Most people do.
7: Well, I can't help that. I know a lot of people don't like him.
2: Would there be anyone close to you that doesn't like him?
7: No, there wouldn't. I'm here alone.
2: When did you see him last?
7: The afternoon before he and his wife disappeared in their boat.
2: You answered that almost as if you knew you'd be asked the question.
7: Well, I didn't. I just remembered it was only a couple of days ago.
2: But you wouldn't remember his mentioning anybody who might be out after his scalp, huh? I understand he enjoys that sort of thing.
7: He never mentioned anybody.
2: What are you holding back, Mrs. Robertson?
7: Nothing. I don't have anything to hold back.
2: Did he ever say anything to you about getting rid of his wife?
7: I don't know what you mean.
2: Look, all we have to work with is a bullet hole in the boat and some bloodstains that could have come from her or from him.
7: He never said anything.
2: And what are you afraid of?
7: I'm not. Look, Mr. Dollar, please, I... I don't want to get my name mixed up in this, if I can help it. I'm here sort of on good behavior. I know I was wrong to see him because he was married, but... But what? Just because I did see him, I don't think I have to get mixed up in things like shooting. Something I don't know about at all.
2: I guess you can't be blamed for that. You don't have to get mixed up in it. Unless you already are. (laughs) That day, planes searched the sea for the missing skiff. Boats, too, swept back and forth between the islands. It wouldn't seem possible that anything they missed would ever be found, but it was. That evening, after the planes had given up in order to get back to their fields before dark, a radio report was received from one of the boats. The skiff had been found, and in it, still alive, was Mrs. Willard South. I was with Officer Shoy when the boat was docked under the steady hand of a leathery old skipper, with the help you of one Pullman. Get
0: there! Get some things over, General. What's the matter with you? All right. Take a strain now.
2: We can go aboard now, Mister Dollar. All right.
0: Hello, right, Captain Braken. Hello, right, yourself, Officer Shoy. Your luck is good. Yeah. Can't use these eyes for 72 years for nothing, Officer Joy. How's Mrs. South? can she talk to us? She cannot. She's been put through a hard time. She gets turned over to Dr. Gar before she talks to anybody else.
2: What about her husband? Did she say what happened?
0: Yes, she did. She's seen him shot down before her very eyes. And his dead body heaved to the sharks. And then somebody go fetch Dr. Gar. She needs some work, else she'll die.
8: return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Have you heard the new Sing It Again? The new comedy of Jan Murray, your host, on that coast-to-coast phone? The new cash prizes for cracking the mystery of Sing It Again's phantom voice? The new speed and color of the tuneful little riddle songs that make Sing It Again a Saturday night must for radio listening? You'll like the new Sing It Again. Be listening for it tonight on most of these same CBS stations. Now, with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: It wasn't until the next morning that Dr. Garr decided Mrs. South was strong enough to be questioned. He'd taken her to the single, small hospital in Charlotte Amelie, and at ten, he beckoned from the door to a room.
5: I think it'll be all right, but please don't tire
2: her. Uh, Mr. Dollar. Yeah? I want you to question her.
5: I never learned about a case like this one.
2: I never did either, anything you say.
5: All right, Doctor. Georgina, this is Officer Shoy, and this is Mr. Dollar. Yes? Mr. Dollar is here to ask you some questions, but I don't want you to let him tire you. I'll try not to, Mrs. M.
7: Why
2: are you here? I was sent down from the States when you and your husband disappeared by your insurance company. Uh, I see. Now, I know it's pretty horrible to go back over it, but we've got to find out just what happened on that boat. The quicker we do it, the quicker we can get to the bottom of it. Uh, I'll try to help. Captain Bracken told us just the bad details. He's
5: the boat captain who found you. Remember, I mentioned his name.
2: Uh, yes. He told us you saw somebody shoot your husband. Who was it?
5: I don't know.
7: There were two men. I've never seen them before.
2: How did they get aboard, Mrs. Sam?
7: Oh, we... We were on our way to... Calibra. Oh, almost halfway, I think. It, it was dark and we saw a light blinking from another the boat. Will said it was a signal and somebody was in trouble. And we went over. This man... Said they'd run out of fuel and asked if we had any to spare. But when Will pulled alongside, this man jumped on our boat, a gun. and... Dr. Dara.
5: it's all right, Georgina. Don't go on if you don't want to. He,
7: he shot shot Will. That's all. It, he shot him, and and then the other man jumped aboard too.
2: What did they say?
7: They, they didn't say any, anything.
2: You think your husband knew them?
7: No. No, he he didn't know them.
2: What did they do then?
7: One of them hit me because I I was screaming. I was wearing a bracelet, and he he grabbed it off my wrist and and made me take off two rings and get them to him. They took Will's wallet, and they dragged him out of them. They they pushed him into the water. I I don't remember anymore. A a car...
5: I can It's all right, Georgina. Nobody can, can, hurt can hurt you now. No. Uh, General, no. I think we'd
2: better let her rest now. Sure, Doctor. I'm sorry we had to bother you, Mrs. <laughs> I'm... I'm
5: sorry.
2: Don't be. Considering what she's been through, I think she did very
5: well. Actually, her physical condition, except for exhaustion, is quite good. She did have water during the time she was adrift and some shelter from the sun... What do you make of it?
2: Well, the whole thing seems pretty brutal
5: for simple robbery.
2: Say, where is the nearest prison, Shoy? Oh, Puerto Rico.
5: Now that's something that had not occurred to me. Escaped convicts might carry out such a ruthless attack, might they not?
2: Yeah, even more so.
5: Well, I will send cables to both of those prisons. I
2: think you'd better. <laughs> enough to go on, but it was obviously useless to try to get any more information from Mrs. South then. Dr. Guy had every right to insist that we leave his patient alone. Officer Shoy went to his headquarters to cable his questions, and I went back to the waterfront. The skiff was still on the dock, but before I even got to it, I was hailed.
0: Hey, you there. Whatever your name is.
2: How are you, Captain Bracken?
0: Oh. Oh, uh, how's the invalid, have you heard?
2: Yeah, I just left it. She'll be okay. Yeah,
0: lots of spunk, that one. What are you figures behind
2: it? Well, She wasn't strong enough to tell us much. But Officer Shaw is checking the possibility that those two men she talks about might be escaped convicts. Say,
0: they might have been.
2: Well, I can't see anybody like that leaving her alive to talk about it.
0: And No matter how low they get, there's them that can't kill a woman, I suppose. Uh, what are you doing down here?
2: I want to take a look at that skiff by daylight. The escaped prisoner, theory, is too long a chance to rest on. It still may have been a local job.
0: Oh, I hate to see it turn out that way somehow.
2: Why do you say that?
0: Oh, this wants to be a peaceful island. It's the truth. Nobody wasted any affection on Willie. But if it'd been downright fitting if two escaped convicts done that devil in... Mm -hmm.
2: I spent 30 minutes looking over the skiff and another hour going over Willard South's cruiser again. Nothing I dug out of either one added up. Neither did the results of a trip to the cable office. There had been no recent escapes from the prisons. Right from the beginning, for all my prying and all my questions, I hadn't gotten one positive lead. But by this time, there were so many things I couldn't put my finger on that I began to reason why not make a weapon of just that. So I started again with Lou Crager, the first person I'd met in the investigation. I found him aboard his boat. Dollar, what's got into you anyway? I'm sick and tired of the runaround and double talk I've been getting. I don't get it. You will. You were quick to make yourself available to me when I showed up here. Why, Crager? I thought you needed some help. You wanted a boat. I had one. I think you mean somebody else needed help. That piece of line you pointed out to Officer Shoy and me on South's cruiser, the short piece. Who cut it? I don't know. How should I know who cut it? It's one of the things you better get straight. You said it had been used to tow the skiff, but the line of the skiff had not been cut. What does that mean? That you were lying. Now, I'm no sailor, but why cut a line when loosening a couple of half hitches would free the skiff?
0: But it was cut, wasn't
2: it? The line you pointed out was cut, and you made your point that Willard South always trailed the skiff. Why? Because you wanted the search for it to go on. Because you knew his wife was alive and would be found in it. I think the tropics have got you, Dollar. You don't think I can break this case down, do you? Because half of the non-tourists on the island are willing to lie to cover up for her. I don't care how noble their loyalty is. This case is going to be broken down. Because there's a reason Coast Guard planes can search for three days and not find her. But that night, after dark, your friend Bracken can. Her story of the other boat and the two men. If the South cruiser had been stolen, the other boat would have been found. How do you know what happened? I know that a doctor will be here in less than 18 hours who will prove that Georgina South did not spend three days adrift.
0: Dollar, you don't know what you're talking about. Where are you going? To cable the doctor. Now, wait a minute. You don't know what you're doing, Dollar. I was
2: told what to do when I was sent down
0: here. Leave things as they are, Dollar. Believe me, it's the right thing to do. Not where I come from. Well, I can't let <coughs> Mr. Craig, I told <coughs> you to stop. Stop, I have the right. <coughs> you you heard him, Craig. Stop. You heard him. Take it easy. <coughs> Listen to me, Dollar. Sometimes right, the way you find it in the book, isn't right. Remember that I told you. <coughs>
2: I'm sorry, Mrs. South. I didn't see you in the swing. I wouldn't have barged in.
6: You startled me. I must have been dozing. There's been so little sleep.
2: Yes, I know. I went to the hospital first. They told me that Georgina had come home.
6: Yes, she did.
2: I'll have to see her, please.
6: Why must you see her, Mr. Dollar?
2: I think you know. You know. Willard's brother knows. Captain Bracken and his crewmen know. Luke Crager, Dr. Garr. I'm not sure how many others.
7: Well, I'm afraid I...
2: Please, please, what's the use? You shouldn't have tried it, no matter how you felt. You should have realized that it wouldn't work. Even way down here in the Virgin Islands, a murderer is hard to protect. Where is she?
6: Who told you this?
2: There were too many mistakes. Lou Crager made the biggest one.
6: You two are making one, Mr. Dollar.
2: I'm sorry, Mrs. South. Murder is murder.
6: They speak of heredity and environment. Many say that heredity will never be overcome. Others say that environment will win out. But both are right and both are wrong. Mrs. South. My husband and I took our boys from the poorest foundling home we could find. Paul is one of the best. But Willard, Willard didn't deserve to live. What? He became more bestial every day. He couldn't live any longer. Oh, mother, mother, no don't, more don't. secrets, Georgina, my dear. I must tell Mr. Dollar the truth. It's I who've been hiding behind my friends. I'm the murderer. I killed Willard. I had to. I had to before he destroyed us all.
2: Expense account item two, $85.40. Miscellaneous expenses in Charlotte Amelie. Item three, same as item one, transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total, $373. Remarks? I tabbed a confession as a false one when I heard it. And I'm not charging the company for the time I spent trying to prove it false. But it wasn't. It was true. And so is the awkward fact that a large number of the leading villagers are liable as accessories after the fact of murder. It should develop into quite a trial. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music by Wilbur Hatch. Edmund O'Brien's latest pictures, the Paramount Pictures production, The Redhead and the Cowboy, featured in tonight's cast were Irene Hubbard as Evangela. Jan Miner as Georgina, Gilbert Mack as Lou, Fran Lafferty as Celeste, Ed Latimer as Sam, Maurice Tarplin as Choi, and Bernard Lindrow as the Doctor. (laughs) This is Olin Tice inviting you to join us next week at this time when Edmund O'Brien returns in another transcribed adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
8: Everybody wants to help America's defense program. And part of everybody's duty is to be extremely careful with the handling of fire. This is especially true in wooded territory, where forest fires can cause terrible losses in valuable natural resources, lives, and manpower. Nine out of every ten of these disastrous fires can be prevented because they're man-made. Don't leave fire prevention to the other fellow. Only you can prevent forest fires. Stay tuned now for five minutes of the latest news. This is CBS, where you laugh at Jack Benny every Sunday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
3: From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund
4: O'Brien
2: as... Johnny Dollar.
1: Lieutenant Anderson Dollar, you can come down
0: anytime you want to. I'm still at the hospital. Thanks,
2: Lieutenant. How's the driver? He's
0: not going to live either, the doctors doubt they can bring him around for a statement.
2: Oh? Uh-huh. What about the loss? Is the amount been figured out yet?
1: Pretty close. Almost $250,000.
2: I don't suppose there's a chance, but was any of it marked or listed by serial number? Very
1: little of it. You'd better come down. If the driver does regain
0: consciousness... Get something. If he doesn't, we'll be starting pretty much
2: in the dark. I guess both of us have done that before. All right, Lieutenant Anderson. I'll be right down. Edmund O'Brien, in another
4: adventure of the man with the action packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance
2: investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office Columbia All-Risk Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the month-end raid matter. Expense account item one, $108.25, airfare and incidentals between Hartford and Kansas City, Missouri, where I arrived some seven hours after the company had advised me of the loss sustained by armed robbery by the Andover chain of department stores. The first details I received were sketchy. At the finish of a four-day month-end sale, the armored truck that had picked up the receipts from three branch stores had been robbed. One guard had been killed at the scene. The driver, Carl Biller, was dying at 11:30 that night when I met Lieutenant Arneson in the hospital corridor. Doctor Surrey, report. I'm afraid I room talked room. you into a wasted tip down here. Just saw the doc again. They're giving Biller less than an hour to live now. His wife just went into the room. Never came back at all, huh? No. I've been with him most of the time and had a man there when I wasn't. What did you expect him to give you, Lieutenant? Uh, I'm not sure. According to witnesses, he and the guard were shot down by one of the men in cold blood. Not because they resisted the killers. Why? To eliminate them, maybe. Why? Because the victims knew the killer, maybe. In spite of the masks they were wearing. That's what I hope Dr. you tell me. Curry, That's the point. Report. How about these witnesses? Are any good? As good as most. The picture seems to have been two cars, both sedans. One of them was in the passenger loading zone when the armored truck arrived and parked in front of it. These men knew when and where, then? They sure did. They knew the truck had picked up the receipts at the Andover stores across the...
1: in Kansas City, Kansas, and in Independence, and the one car was waiting for them at the store here. The other car double parked when the money came out. The men were shot down and the truck was empty before anybody turned in an alarm. How about license numbers? Doctor both on them were stolen car You
2: You can work any way you want it, darling. I won't get in your road. Thanks, Lieutenant. We're both aiming for the same thing, and I'm going to have my hands full. Robbery detail tells me their informers have hinted that a gang has been forming here in town for the last month or two. I guess they were right. We're pulling in everybody we can. Maybe we can get some talk out of some of them. It'll be a slow process, but that's the way we work. I'll be in my... Uh, oh, yes, Cole. Is he gone? There was nothing they could do. Well, that finishes that. This is Mr. Dollar, Sergeant Cole. How are you? Sergeant Cole. Dollar's investigating for the insurance company. Yeah, but they're hurting, huh? I've seen them in better moods. Um, were you planning on talking to the widow tonight, Lieutenant? Follow up the possibility that he knew the killers? What kind of condition is she in, Cole? Hard to Hard to tell. She seemed to be standing up all right. I'd just as soon leave it to you tonight, Dollar. Cole and I want going to get back to headquarters and see what we've pulled in. Sure, Lieutenant. Anything you say. A short time later, a white-sheeted figure was rolled out of the Biller room, followed in a couple of minutes by Mrs. Biller, a plain, lumpy woman in her 40s. In silence, she followed me into an empty waiting room a few yards down the corridor.
7: I want to go home. I've been here all day and I'm tired.
2: I can certainly understand that, Mrs. Biller, and I won't keep you long. This may seem like a strange question under the circumstances, but do you think there could have been anything personal connected with your husband's death? Personal? We're looking for a valid reason for Mr. Biller and the other men being shot down the way they were.
7: What are you talking about? Why oh, wouldn't he get shot? It didn't surprise me. He was always with a lot of money, and I told him he'd get shot someday. There was no
2: apparent reason, Mrs. Bella. They weren't given time to try to protect the money. They didn't draw their guns. Private guards work under orders to surrender as a rule, but they weren't given a chance. They were met on the sidewalk and killed without a word.
7: I haven't been thinking about anything like that all day long. i have been wondering what would happen if he died. Now he has. And here I am with a house still not paid for and no money. I just have to face it. Dead and that's all there is to it.
2: You'd want to help us find the man who killed him if, if you could, wouldn't you?
7: How could I help you do that?
2: He and the other man could have been killed because they knew the man who killed them.
7: How could anything like that be? Why should Carl know anybody like that?
2: We don't know that he did. We only wonder.
7: And I read the papers. How could he know anybody when they were all wearing masks?
2: That could mean that he knew them very well. Well enough to recognize them in spite of the masks. Don't you see what I mean, Mrs. Biller?
7: I can't think. You couldn't expect me to think after a day like this has been. I don't know what to say. I'm all mixed up
2: now. I understand, Mrs. Biller. I won't bother you anymore tonight. We want to know is if somebody who knew your husband and knew quite a lot about his job could have been responsible for his death and the robbery we'll talk to you about it again maybe tomorrow lieutenant arnison thought enough of the interview on the widow's reaction to assign a couple of men to keep her covered The police spent most of that night pulling in known and suspected criminals and grilling them without any definite success. The next morning, I was in the lieutenant's office while he was waiting for one of his informers to be brought in.
1: Nothing on the missing cars yet, Dollar, but I'm dead certain they haven't got out of town. We had it sewed up in a hurry. I put another man on a biller angle,
2: too, looking into his habits and friends, but staying away from his wife. We'll save her for you. Thanks a lot. I thought you'd like her. Here's the count, Lieutenant. Yeah, come on in, Emil. This is Emil Ordo, sometimes called the count. Sit down, Emil. Emil and I have known one another for a long
4: time, haven't we, Emil? I owe the lieutenant a deep debt of gratitude. we get along.
2: Emil, this man's working for the insurance company that covered the missing money. You can trust him. If you say so, what else? What's going on in town, Emil? What does the crowd say about
4: this heist? They don't say very little. They don't like this. These are foreigners who do this. From where? Chicago. The crowd don't like this. Doesn't look like a foreign job to me.
2: They knew just where that armored truck would be and were waiting for it. How would outsiders get information like that?
4: Who are these foreigners and where are they? Where they are, I don't know. Who? I hear only some names that are nothing. One is Pinky. One other is Ross. First name or last? Only Ross. Other is Shorty. Other is the Mick. Who their other names are, nobody knows. He's not much, Lieutenant, but I am only a man.
2: Anything more, Johnny? Yeah. you know if they're still here in Kansas City? How do I know that?
4: So I, from the crowd, am the only one who knows where they are? Then I am shot, too?
2: The Lieutenant seemed to be fairly sure that the man and the money were still in town. All the escape routes had been covered by police armed with composite descriptions of more than 30 witnesses to the shooting. The information given us by the informer was almost worthless, but the first names and aliases were wired to Chicago for a search. And the officer working on the bill angle came up with a development later that same afternoon. So I was armed with at least something definite when I went out to see the widow. <laughs> Mrs. Bella. Hello. Hope you're feeling better today.
7: Some ways I do. Some ways I don't. You can come in. Thank
2: you. Mrs. Bella, I learned some things this afternoon that I hope you've been thinking about. What? Your husband and this woman named Betty Claire.
6: I was going to tell you. What do you know about it?
2: She's married to a man who just got out of prison. I was
6: going to tell you. I knew she'd get him into trouble
7: sooner or later. I did all I could to get him away from her. Even wrote a letter to the bonding company that she was nobody to be hanging around somebody with Carl's work.
0: He saw
2: her after her husband was paroled?
7: Not so much, I guess. But the husband was away sometimes. I don't know. Guess Carl went to see her some then.
2: You must have thought of her when I talked to you last night.
7: I did. There's no use lying.
2: Why didn't you mention her?
7: I don't know. Maybe I was ashamed of having a husband some other woman could keep a hold on until she got him killed.
2: And you think their association was one where he would have told her details about his job? Yes. Now you admit that you think she had something to do with the robbery.
7: Yes, because Carl didn't come home night before last. I don't know where he was. But he came here in the morning to change into his uniform, then he left. That was the morning he was killed.
2: Did you ask him where he'd been?
7: no. I got over doing that quite a while ago. Has she been arrested?
2: Not yet. Lieutenant Anderson is waiting for me. We wanted to get what you had to say before we talked to her. Do you have anything more?
7: No. Except I hope she gets hurt as much as she's made me get hurt.
2: I think that's all then, Mrs. Biller. Sorry you didn't mention this last night. Hope we aren't too late now. Unless it get over to the side, you never know. I guess we're safe. Pretty clear. She's been choked to death.
4: We'll return you to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. There's lots of good folding money and an hour of merriment and music on hand again tonight when CBS presents Sing It Again. The Phantom Voice brings an extra tingle of excitement and pays off handsomely when Jan Murray uses that coast-to-coast phone. Here's Sing It Again on CBS Tonight. Now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Betty Clare had been strangled, obviously, by a pair of hands. The apartment showed signs of a struggle, but further search revealed only a newspaper whose date and time seemed to indicate that she'd been killed after Carl Biller had died. There wasn't a lead as to the possible whereabouts of her husband, Arnold Clare, but the search for him was speeded up. At 5, a report from a section of Kansas City called East Bottom did give us a lead. The body of the man was found in a garage. He'd been shot to death, and in his pocket was a receipt for an insured parcel post package. A follow-up on the receiver's address showed the package to contain $15,000 in cash. Later, the informer, Emil Ordoff, followed the lieutenant and me in to view the body.
1: Okay, Charlie. you know this man, Emil? How could I be sure? He's one of the crowd. I know who he is. you? His name is Norwood. You know it is. Yes, I know. Earl Norworth, with The record of narcotics possession. Suspicion of burglary, 60 days last year in vagrancy
2: and carrying a concealed weapon. Yes, Earl Norwood. The lieutenant tells me he's not from Chicago, Emil. That he's a local boy. Yes. You still say the Andover job was pulled by Chicago men? This
4: is what I think, what the talk is. I also told Dollar that I never could really trust you, Amos. Hmm. There was always a chance somebody might buy you into bringing me false information. Oh, no.
2: Couldn't somebody who just made a $200,000 haul buy you into it, Amo
1: Oh, no. Money's not going to do you any good if I find out you aren't leveling with me. I got about four charges I can bring against you. They send you up for quite a while. I owe you deep gratitude,
4: I tried to find out more,
8: so you let me
4: go now. I'll give you the rest of the evening,
1: up to 10.30, Emil. One thing you don't have to find out. Norwood here sent 15 grand out of the city by mail. There's only one reason he'd do that. He was mixed up
4: with
2: the end of a job. Now get going. I'll pick you up later. The two additional killings, possibly linked to the robbery, set Kansas City's underworld and police force spinning. Every officer in town was put on duty until further notice. By 8, the tanks were filled with hoodlums, while the streets and hangouts were strangely empty and silent. At 9 o'clock, it seemed that things started to break. A known associate of Arnold Clare was picked up and brought to the lieutenant's office.
9: Sure, sure I know Arnold. I was in prison with him. I met his wife the other night, but I don't know anything about the Andover job. Where
1: were you the morning was pulled?
9: And I got alibis to prove I wasn't mixed up in nothing. What
1: about Arnold Clare?
9: As far as I know, he was going straight. That's what he told me, anyway.
2: We've got Clare linked up pretty close. We know his wife was running around with the driver of that armored truck. That would give Clare access to the information he'd need.
9: Ah, well, I can't help what his wife was up to. He told me he was going straight. He said he was looking for a job. When did he say that? Last time I saw him, the other night when I met his wife. Tuesday it was.
2: Tuesday night? Yeah. Robbery came off Wednesday morning. And you were with Claire and his wife Tuesday night.
9: That's right. I tell you, I don't think he had nothing to do with it.
2: How late were you with him?
9: Oh, must have been 1.30, 2 in the morning.
2: And Betty Claire was there all the time? That's right. Doesn't jive with Mrs. Biller's story, Lieutenant.
9: Look, I'm telling the truth. I got no reason to lie. How about proof? Was anyone else there? Yeah, yeah, somebody else was there. We ordered some liquor sometime around midnight. The boy from the liquor store brought it up. I... Uh, Forgot the name of the place, but I can show you.
2: Mrs. Biller said her husband was with Betty Clare the night before the robbery.
9: That ain't true. Nobody was with her but Arnold and me. I'll take you to that liquor store.
1: And she was killed yesterday, the day after Biller died.
9: What? What? Who was killed?
1: Are you sure Biller
2: wasn't with you and Betty Clare and her husband? You're telling me Betty Clare is dead? You know she is. Strangled. Now
9: tell us why. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I didn't know anything about it. I swear I didn't. I'll tell you where Arnold is to prove I didn't know. What kind of proof is that? I didn't know. I swear I didn't. He didn't tell me. He said there was too much heat on from the Andover job. And he didn't have an alibi for the whole morning. He said he wanted to stay out of sight for a while.
1: Sure. make himself look innocent, I suppose.
9: I don't care what you think. That's what he told me, and that's all. But if his wife has been killed, I don't want to have nothing more to do with him. That's a real double-cross to get me mixed up in anything like that. I'm through with him. Where is he? There's a shack out by the edge of town near the river. I've been taking food to him. Let's get started. Lieutenant, means you, Stone. Now, look, you you ain't going to make me go with you. Ain't I, ain't I, ain't it enough I tell you where he is?
2: You're the first real live hunk of progress we've had. We want to hang on to you. Come on.
9: Uh, He'll kill me if he gets a chance. We'll try and
2: see that he doesn't get one. Lieutenant. Yes, Cole.
9: Bad news. They caught up
2: with Emil Ordoff. He's dead? Yeah, the report just came in. It's too bad. He's a good, honest story. And I'm going to miss him. It better stop, don't you think? The town is really hot. I can't remember it ever being this hot. We checked Stone's story at the liquor store. The delivery boy finally remembered and agreed that only Stone had been with the Clares in the apartment the night before the robbery. Twenty minutes later, with headlights out, our car pulled up on a dirt road. The shack stone pointed out. was screened by a stand of willows on the riverbank. One small window showed some light from
9: inside. Wait. Wait a minute. I ain't going in there. You can't make me. Come on, come on, come on. He'll kill me. No, he won't, Stone. Let's go. I tell you, he'll kill me.
2: It's my case. I'll take it. Here we are, Claire. Who oh, are
10: you? Stallone. Stay in the chair. Lieutenant Anderson. homicide. Stallone, you sold me
2: out. Don't try it, Claire.
10: You
9: lied to me, Arnold. You lied to me. You didn't tell me about your wife. And you was getting me mixed up in a killing. Well, that don't set with me. And I called you my Send friend. Come back, Claire. You want
2: to check him for weapons, Jimmy? Sure. Relax, Claire. You can't do yourself any good by making a play. Stand up. I won't make a play. There's a thirty-eight in my left coat pocket. hmm you can sit down. Huh?
10: Where do you want to start, Claire? I uh, I guess it don't make much difference, does it? Why'd you kill your wife? What makes you so sure I... Oh, uh, all right. I killed her because I was trying to go straight this time. And she got mixed up in this Andover job. If I'd known about it before, I'd stopped it for sure, but, but I didn't find out until after it happened.
2: How did you find out?
10: One of the guys that got killed, uh, the driver, Biller, his wife got me on the phone the night he died. She told me about about Betty and her husband. You didn't know about it? No, didn't... I didn't know. This dame told me about it. All the years I was in prison. And after I got out, every chance they had. That's the only reason you had? I told you I was trying to go straight. When I found out Betty is working this bill into setting up a job with her, she was doing it to get rid of me again. She knew the board would take my parole away no matter what I said.
2: Mrs. Biller told you all this?
10: Her husband talked about it before he died.
4: You're a stupid
10: fool. Clay. Sure I am, sure, but I couldn't help it. I went crazy. Betty wasn't at home when I found out. I, I guess I drank a lot and, and thought about it. And when she came home, I just grabbed her. I couldn't help it. I knew I was killing. I couldn't stop.
2: And you know something? I don't care. That's the spirit. What about the Andover job? How much do you know about that? I,
10: I know one guy that was in on it, and I'll finger him for you. I'll finger him. I'll see some of them take the same trip I'm taking.
2: From the break Stone gave us, the case snowballed. The man Claire took us to led us to another, and he to another. It went that way until 4.30, and all that remained were the men from Chicago we'd heard of earlier. They were holed up in a house together, and one of them, Ross Degnan, had been the killer during the job. He'd killed for no reason except that he'd been under the influence of narcotics. Dawn was just beginning to break when the stakeout was drawn around the house. Got to move faster than I wanted to. One of the men who got here before we did says he heard a phone ringing in the house. They've been tipped then. Probably. Sergeant Cole? Ready to go, Lieutenant? I think so. you cover me with a Thompson from the driveway near the porch there. Yeah. You aren't forgetting those sort of shotguns, are you? Not going to get within range. Not me. we will try to call them out in the street. <laughs> Wait. Car's starting. Where is it? The garage. It got into the garage. The
0: garage! You men on the back, cover the garage. Okay.
2: Watch it! Here they come.
0: Thompson, Cole, use it. Get the driver. Oh.
2: It's been a long night, but we saw the end of the trouble there on the street. What the Chicago men had with them and stolen money brought the recovery up to within two thousand dollars of the original amount. Expense account item two, one hundred and eighty dollars miscellaneous. Item three, same as item one, transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total, three hundred ninety-six dollars and fifty cents. Remarks: I talked to Mrs. Biller before I left hoping to get some kind of revenge against the woman who'd stolen her husband, she told Arnold Clare that Betty had set up the robbery. But she got her revenge, murder. And the company owes her a deep debt of gratitude, because when that broke, the whole thing broke. Yours truly, Johnny Dower.
4: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dodd with music by Wilbur Hatch. Edmund O'Brien's latest picture is a Paramount Pictures production, The Redhead and the Cowboy. Featured in tonight's cast were Herb Butterfield, Joe Duvall, Virginia Gregg, Edgar Barrier, Sidney Miller, and Peter Leeds. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. This is Dick Cutting inviting you to join us next week at this time when Edmund O'Brien returns as, Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Do you know that there's one fire in an American home every 20 seconds? That fires kill 11,000 people every year? Staggering, isn't it? of fires in the home start through carelessness. Be careful with matches and keep them out of the reach of children. And if you're a careless smoker, don't smoke in bed or discard lighted cigarettes thoughtlessly. Don't gamble with fire. The odds are against you. Stay tuned now for five minutes of the latest news. This is CBS, where our Miss Brooks holds classes every Sunday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
3: From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. I
0: received a message you called. This is Roy Underwood.
2: Oh, yes, Mr. Underwood. I've been hired by the Plymouth Insurance Company to look into the jewelry you reported stolen.
0: That's what the message said.
2: I uh, wondered when I could see you, find out if you have any idea who stole it. I'll be in my apartment for the rest of the night, and I'll tell you everything you need to know. I know who stole it, and I think I know where you can find her. Ah, you make it sound very simple, Mr. Underwood. I'll see you after dinner. Say 8.30. <laughs>
4: Edmund O'Brien, in the transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Expense account submitted by special investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office Plymouth Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Virginia Town matter. Expense account item one: twenty dollars, transportation and incidentals between Hartford and the Hotel Bentley, New York City. I contacted the policyholder Roy Underwood, and at eight forty-five that first night, I arrived at the sixty-third Street apartment. The meeting was not in private. We can go in the study. Well, maybe I shouldn't have interrupted you the huh? Oh, it won't take long. I'll be right back. A little business.
7: But what am I going to do with him? He just sits there with that character and ignores
2: me. Oh, sure, Alice, sure. I'll talk to you about it in a minute. Now, uh, excuse me. I hope you'll pardon my uh, not introducing her to you. I will. It gets a little out of hand sometimes. Uh, here. There's whiskey on the table if you want it. No, Thanks. This jewelry you report is stolen, I have a description. Will you look at it? Tell me if it's right. Yeah. Yes, this is correct. They were stolen by a woman named Virginia Town. You're sure of that? Yes, I'm sure of it. She was here at a party, very much like this one. I saw leave with them. You didn't try to stop her? Of course I did. It's not my responsibility to place the thief under arrest. Did you notify the police? No, I was going to, but I thought better of it next morning. I wanted to give her a chance to think twice, too. Uh, If she'll bring them back, I won't swear out a complaint. The pieces are all women's jewelry. Two bracelets and three rings. Yes, I buy odd pieces when I can at a reasonable price. How did she manage to get hold of them? They were in my dresser drawer. She put them on. I told her to take them off. She refused
1: and and left.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. You mentioned on the phone that you thought you knew where I could find this Virginia town. I'm not sure you understand. I tried to phone her at her apartment, but she'd moved out. Then I called her closest friend, a girl called Frances Adams. She said she didn't know where Virginia was, but I think she was lying. I think Virginia was right there. Where do I find this Frances Adams? Oh, her flat's in Lexington, near 40th. Uh, She's a check girl at the top hat and works till four in the morning. I'll give you her address. Before I left, I was shown a posed photograph of Virginia Town inscribed to Roy with more thanks than I can ever say. I didn't keep the photograph, but the vision of the face in it stayed with me. On Roy Underwood's hunch where Virginia Town might be, I cabbed to the address of a friend on Lexington.
7: Phil, didn't take. Oh,
2: Miss Virginia Town. Who are you? My name is Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator. I'm here to talk to you about some jewelry owned by Mr. Roy Underwood. What? May I come in, please?
7: Yes. Roy sent you here.
2: I'm working for the insurance company. Roy said he thought you might be found here, and he said the jewelry was his. That's right. He said you stole it.
7: But that's not true. He gave it to me. One of the bracelets for Christmas last year, the other for my birthday, and the rings at other times.
2: You have proof of that?
7: Proof? He knows he gave them to me. I said
2: proof. My instinct was that something like this might be the case. But the people who hired me can't consider the personal angles. I should have
7: expected something like this.
2: Underwood is proof of ownership. He insured the pieces to himself, and he undoubtedly has bills of sale. You'll have to give it all back, or he'll go to the police.
7: I can't give it all back. I sold one of the bracelets.
2: Well, you can buy it again. Can't
7: no, you? I couldn't possibly. I sold it at a low price because I didn't have any money and I had to live.
2: You must have friends. Can't you borrow enough to get it back?
7: I have friends, but they're the ones I had before I met Roy. The one's a hat check girl like I was, and another's a cab driver. That's who I thought was at the door when you knocked. We aren't the kind of people who can scrape up fifteen hundred dollars at the drop of a hat.
2: Is that what you need?
7: At least that. There's not much of a market for things like that bracelet had to take a cut price. That or wait months for a buyer. But I had a right to sell it. It was mine. I didn't steal it.
2: He said you did. He said you took it and the rest of the stuff out of his dresser drawer. That's
7: not true. There
2: was a party going on? Yes. Did you go into his room?
7: Yes, to tell him that I didn't want to see him anymore. He laughed at me and said I'd come back to him any time he wanted me to. I guess this is what he meant.
2: If you were in there alone with him, it's his word against yours. As I said, he has proof of ownership. I'm afraid you're really in trouble.
7: Unless I crawl back. That'll be Phil. Just a second, Phil. I don't know how he's going to take the news. There's nothing to do but tell him.
2: Phil's last name was Kelly, and it matched his appearance. He was over 40, red hair beginning to gray. As he listened, his heavy, freckled hands started to clench and unclench. And the look in his eyes convinced me more than her words that Virginia Town was telling the truth. The rest of the story came out. Underwood had gotten her into a few chorus lines after he'd talked her out of a job in a nightclub. Not because she had any outstanding talent except beauty, but because of his influence. When he stopped using that to her advantage,
8: there was no more work.
7: money Till I finally got it through my empty head that the farther in debt I got, the more he enjoyed it. So I stopped it the only way I knew how. I told him it was finished,
9: and it was. And she's no thief. She sold only what was hers. She didn't steal them geegaws.
2: It's not what I think, Kelly. It's what the police can pile up in the way of evidence. Well, then, the truth of it is, I sold the bracelet.
9: I stole it from her. I stole it from her, and that's why she can't give it back. Tell him that and see what he can pile up against me. Now, wait a minute, Kelly. Bill,
7: now you're being ridiculous. No, I'm not. There's no reason to bother Mr. Dollar with all this. It's his job to return the jewelry if he can, and that's all.
9: But you're not going to see Virginia arrested because of the personal feelings of this scum now, are you?
2: No, I'm not, if I can help it. Well, that's better.
7: What are you going to do, Mr. Dollar?
2: Well, I'm going to give you some time to try to raise the money. I'm overstepping my bounds, but I think you deserve a break. I'll stall Underwood for two days. Tell him I haven't found you. That's tomorrow and the next day. That's the best I can do. That'll be time enough. And I'll deliver his blasted geegaws myself with a slug in the teeth to boot.
7: I don't know how to thank you, Mr. Dollar.
2: Forget it. I'll check back with you tomorrow. justified in letting personal feelings rule me for that short time, at least, because I was sure the company wouldn't want to be used in any kind of a blackmail scheme. I met Frances Adams, the girl with whom Virginia was sharing the apartment, when I checked the progress the following afternoon. When I went back that evening, a couple of hundred dollars had come in, and Kelly was out trying to raise more. I stayed there alone with Virginia, waiting for him to come back, and I caught myself thinking less about my part of it and more about the way she was facing what could be in her future. She was uncomplaining and almost naively brave about accepting the possible results of the mistake she had made. I returned to my hotel and called Underwood. I knew I was on thin ice when I stalled him one more day, but it had to end that third night when she calmly gave me the latest development.
7: We couldn't buy the bracelet if we had $5,000, Johnny. I don't get it. It's been cut up. Even one of the larger diamonds has been cut.
2: When did this come out?
7: This afternoon, about four.
2: Why didn't you call me then?
7: Because I didn't want anybody else to be here when I told you about it.
2: Well, that doesn't seem to make my next move any easier. I'll have to go to Underwood tomorrow morning.
7: I know you will. That's why I wanted to tell you this way. Because the next time I see you, you won't be my friend. You'll be just another man with some evidence. I've grown used to you as a friend, Johnny.
2: I'm sorry it had to happen this way.
7: No matter how it happened, I'm glad it did. You think we could forget all of it? I wish you'd take me someplace.
2: We can try. Where do you want to go?
7: Any place. Just have a couple of drinks. I don't care. I just want to go someplace with you. Come on, get up.
2: Sure. Hey. What, Charlie? What was this nonsense you were talking on the phone? <clears throat> you thought the insurance company would be willing not to prosecute if the loss was made up? Who's going to make up the loss? Forget it, Do You think that's any way to stop crime? I said forget it. I certainly intend to. I've got your stuff. I was willing to show some leniency if everything was returned, but I'd be a fool The missing to... piece is listed as worth $2,400. If you'll sign this claim, I'll turn it into the company. Here's my pen. Thank you. Can't afford to be taken advantage of by every beautiful young thing that happens along. Here you are. Thanks. I want to thank you for what you've done. It's nothing but a job, Underwood. Nothing but a job. It was a quarter after twelve when I left Underwood's apartment. I had to make my own report on the matter to the police, and that took until 2.30. I then had lunch and went back to my hotel, the pack, planning to leave for Hartford as soon as possible. It wasn't very soon. Come. Mr. Dollar? Yeah? Lieutenant Brinker, homicide. Hmm. What's up, Lieutenant? You made a report earlier this afternoon on some jewelry owned by one Roy Underwood that had been stolen and then partially returned. I did. I guess we need another statement from you stuff is missing again, and Roy Underwood has been shot to death. Come on.
4: We will return you to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Gay, tuneful, funny, and laden with loot. It's the hour-long Sing It Again, which comes to you every Saturday on most of these same CBS stations. Jan Murray makes for the laughs and buzzes listeners from coast to coast, asking the solution to the Phantom Voice mystery, offering $1,000 in cash, if you get it right. Be listening for Jan Murray and Sing It Again later tonight on CBS. Now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: On the way to headquarters of the Lieutenant Brinker, I learned that Underwood had been killed in his apartment. The report had been phoned in by the building manager at 2.20 that afternoon when he heard the screaming of Alice Breen. She was the drunken young woman I would run into the first night on the case. She was being held as a material witness. In spite of the fact that the jewelry was again missing, the police took a dim view of her story that she'd entered the apartment and found Underwood dead. As far as I was concerned, there were a number of things I wish I hadn't done and a number of things I wish I hadn't said in my first report to the police. Now, you stated that after three days of searching, you found the suspect in the original theft this morning, recovered the stolen property, minus one item, and returned it to the owner. Do you think that between the time you found this Virginia town and started back to Underwood's apartment, somebody could have learned about the jewelry and followed you? I'm not sure. Somebody knew about it and planned to steal it. I don't know why they didn't steal it from the town girl. According to your report, this Virginia town told you she considered the property in question to be a series of gifts. That's what she said. If that were true, do you think she would have conspired to armed robbery to regain it? I don't know. I don't know. Why are you working these possibilities over, Lieutenant? I'm trying to eliminate them as possibilities. This Alice Breen, we know she was involved with Underwood. We're told he was pretty ruthless in getting rid of women he was through with. motive of passion would be easier to work with. I haven't heard her whole statement. She hasn't made a decent one. But what she told the manager doesn't jibe with what she told us. Lieutenant, I can recheck the town girl's statements and maybe get something if you'll let me do it alone. Why should we do that? Well, you don't have to, but she knows my sympathies are with her. I think she was getting a bad deal from Underwood, and she knows I think so. You've got a good record here in New York Dollar. You think you might do better alone? I guess I can take a chance on you. You've got quite a bit at stake yourself, haven't you? What do you mean by that? I sent some men to Virginia Town's place. She wasn't there, but the girl she lives with was. What she told my men makes it sound like you found her before you said you did. You can still take a chance on me, Lieutenant. I hope so, Dollar. By the time I got to the Lexington Avenue apartment, the roommate, Francis Adams, was gone, too. But through his cab company, I did locate Phil Kelly.
9: I swear I didn't even know about it. I was brought up to mourn the dead, but if you'll excuse me, I can't bring myself to it this time.
2: Well, that's hardly the point. Where's Virginia? I don't know. Where's Frances Adams? I don't know that either. This is a work day. I've been on the go since morning. Where would Virginia go? You must have an idea. From what I've seen, I wouldn't be at all surprised if she wasn't looking as hard for you as you are for her. Have you thought of that? Why would she do that? You don't know. She has the strongest motive for the killing so far. If I can't find her, I'll have to tell the police that's why she's hiding. Well, that isn't so at all. What other reason would she have? They'll ask me that, and I'll have to answer them. She's no murderess. Well, she's acting mighty like one. Get into the cab.
9: I'll take you to her.
8: That's the
2: door there. I won't go in with her, if you don't mind. I don't know she's there. She's there. Okay. I've got a check on you, Kelly.
7: Who is it, Phil?
2: It's Dollar. Let me in.
7: Stop. Why did you come here? Who told you where I was?
2: What are you doing here?
7: It's none of your business did your job didn't you you told me last night that no matter what your personal feelings were you had to do your job well you did it why can't you leave me alone now
2: if he was still alive I could
7: still alive
2: the police have been looking for you
7: Roy Underwood's dead you didn't know of course I didn't know Johnny
2: why are you hiding
7: because I because I didn't want to be arrested you told me Roy was going to swear out a complaint
3: he didn't have a chance to Thanks for joining us, everyone, at 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Reviews are greatly,
0: greatly appreciated for 1001 Radio Crime Solvers.
3: Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back soon.